Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Um, as we said, thank you. Uh, my name is Matt Sprinkle, and I'm uh, the associate pastor at Church in the Valley Ontario Ranch. And it's great to be here again this morning with you all. Uh, hopefully God will encourage us, build us up, speak to us this morning. Um, last week I talked about the power to change and that God has to change who we are before he changes how we are. Today we're going to talk about how we are. And I shared my story, my testimony, of my life apart from Christ and how God um, saved me and the work he did in me. Our passage today that we're going to be focusing on is from 1 John 1, 3 through 10, and it's in your program. It's in your handout, so if you'd like to follow along with me as I read that, I encourage you to do it. It says, this is John, uh, an apostle of Jesus Christ, uh, eyewitness to his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And John writes a letter to a church, uh, several letters in fact, but this is the first of 1 John, and he writes a letter to them explaining what's happened and uh, what it's all about. That which is we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him, that's the Lord Jesus, and proclaim to you, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship if we say we have fellowship with him while walking in darkness, well, we lie, and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Last week, we looked at our utter powerlessness against sin apart from Christ. That was the bad news. Bad news that all men know because all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have fallen short of their own glory, their own moral standard. Whatever standard you hold up for yourself, whatever you want to see when you look in the mirror, we all fall short of it. We know our sin, Christian and non-Christian alike. The good news is that the Lord Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, has brought forgiveness and cleansing to all of us. He's taken us from rebels against him to reconciled friends. He's taken us from orphans to adopted sons and daughters. He's taken us from death to life. He's changed who and what we are. And he's given us his Holy Spirit. This week, we're going to look and see how the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he changes how we are. But the thing is, there's a crucial act of faith, a crucial act of faith that we must choose if we're going to experience God's salvation, his sanctification, his transformation, breaking us free from all the things that are going to cause problems in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we ask today that you would open our eyes and ears to hear and see what you want us to hear and see. We pray that you would build up this congregation. Lord God, that you would help us understand the fellowship you've called us into, that you give us desires we don't have and understanding we don't have, that you'd oppress this word to our hearts in our lives where we need it. In the name of Jesus, amen. I'd like to explain the text, so we're going to look at verses 3 through 5 first. In verses 3 through 5, it says, That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. This word, fellowship, seems to be pretty important to John. When I first became a Christian and I read it, I didn't know what that meant. Who uses the word fellowship? Like fellowship of the rings. I don't even know what that means. <clears throat> I, at least I didn't. Verse 4, And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Somehow what they're writing in the fellowship, it has something to do with joy. I'm all for joy. I want that. 
Complete joy, fullness of joy, I want that. You want that? Somehow that's tied to this fellowship thing, okay? He says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Hello, non sequitur. We go from fellowship and joy to light and darkness. What does that have to do with each other? I read the Bible, you know, and sometimes it doesn't make any sense to me. It just, my mind doesn't go where the, where the author's mind goes. That's because their minds are steeped in the Old Testament scriptures. They think as God thinks, but we, we can figure it out together by God's grace. We can figure it out. So here's, here's some basic observations. John is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. You want to share the gospel with people? You want people to come to Christ? You want your friends to come to Christ? You want people to know the salvation that Jesus is offering? Amen and yes? Great. This is the gospel. It's not all it. It's not, you know, just this. God does all sorts of things, but this is the gospel John's talking about here. And he heard it from Christ. So does this, uh, he does this, he's sharing this so that, so that these people listening, this church, and he's, being, he's writing it to a church, and we're a church, and he's writing it to us. He's doing it so that they can enter into the fellowship that he has with the other apostles and that he has with the Father and the Son through the Spirit. Now, that kind of fellowship is the definition of fullness of joy. You want fullness of joy? You have to be in fellowship. Haven't defined the word yet. You want fullness of joy? Got to be in fellowship. That's clear from the text. Fellowship is what the goal is. It's what God's goal is. God's goal in sending his Son is reconciliation, fellowship, the restoration of all things, uniting heaven and earth, reuniting the human race, reconciling us to God, reconciling us to each other. This is a big deal in the Bible. It matters to, to God. It's on his heart. It should matter to us, of course. Now, he goes on to share that God is light. What does that mean? At least means that God has no darkness in him. He's light. There's no darkness in him. Okay. In verse 6, it says, if we say that we have fellowship with him, verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. So he goes on to bring up fellowship again, and he says, if we say X, but we do Y, we're lying. We don't practice the truth. So what's the X in the equation? Fellowship. If we say we have fellowship with him, with God, God the Father, God the Son, by the Spirit, if we say we have fellowship with God, but we walk in darkness, we're lying, we're not in fellowship with God, the truth is not in us. Now, we study the scriptures, we do quiet times, we memorize verses, we do Bible studies, we buy books so that we can store up the truth in us. And here John is saying, if you don't have X, the truth is not in you. Wow. This raises its value, does it not? The consequential nature of this thing that John's talking about is now rippling across all sorts of things that evangelical, Baptist, discipleship-driven people tend to focus on. Spiritual disciplines, great things, good things. But something that we turn down is fellowship. God is saying, turn it up. This is a consequential thing I'm describing to you, the Lord is saying. Now he says, <clears throat> uh, fellowship, what is that? What is it? The word fellowship is a big old constellation of words. It's like democracy. <laughs> you know, if I defined a hammer, simple. If I define democracy, that's a big word. That's a big constellation of concepts, right? Some words are like that. Fellowship is like that. When God says fellowship, it means a whole bunch of things. It's not undefinable, but it's a big, broad concept. Here it is. Fellowship is companionship, partaking, partnership, sharing in resources, suffering, sharing in joy, sharing in life, sharing in work. It's working together. Fellowship is willing communication. When you're angry at somebody, you go like this. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. Yeah, whatever. Sure. No eye contact. Why? When you're angry at somebody, you withdraw. 
you don't willingly communicate. You start to close yourself down. You disfellowship them. Fellowship is the opposite. It's when you come close face to face. It says that Moses spoke to God face to face. Face to face. That's fellowship. Solidarity. You stand with this person. Loyalty. You have their back. Shared responsibility within your household. All these words have to do with fellowship. It's this building together, this living together. It's this right here. Integration. That's fellowship. That's what God is talking about. All these things you do not have with God if you walk in darkness. If you walk in darkness, you do not have this with God. You have disfellowshipped God. I don't mean that God has let you go. He hasn't let you go. God doesn't let us go. If I could, <laughs> yeah, God doesn't let us go. But we can disfellowship, we can pull back from God. Sorry whose guitar that was. Hopefully I didn't damage it. <laughs> I don't think I did. Okay, sorry, distraction. Squirrel. So if I'm walking in darkness in the sense that John is teaching here, what is that? If I'm walking in darkness and that, how, that, that fellowship is broken, that's bad, that's real bad. If I'm walking in darkness in the way that John means it, what does that mean? He says it in verse seven. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Walking in the light <clears throat> is the means for us to enter into fellowship with God. Walking in the light means we're in fellowship, not out of fellowship. That's what it means. Walking in darkness is being out of fellowship with Christ and his church, Christ and his people. When I'm out of fellowship, when I disfellowship, when I pull back, when I withdraw, when I've sinned and I'm not in reconciliation with my brothers and sisters here at this church, that's what it means to walk in darkness. But notice what else is tied to fellowship. Notice what else is tied to fellowship. Cleansing. The sun cleanses us from all sin. We want to be cleansed from sin. We tend to think, oh, I will read my Bible. I will learn the verses. I see God's standard. He says, do not do this and do not do that. I memorize the scripture and then I walk and I use the scripture and I, I pray. And then over time, God slowly puts to death the sin of my life. And that's all true to a degree. But you notice that the fellowship is what precedes God cleansing you from sin. When you are in fellowship with God's people, that's when God does his most powerful cleansing. Think about the one another's. Forgive one another. Encourage one another. Admonish one another. Think about all the ways that you have to humble yourself when you offend somebody. One of the most important things about walking with God is a spirit of humility, the fear of the Lord, trust in the Lord. How do you trust and fear God and show humility? You go to somebody and said, what I said was wrong, that was sin, please forgive me. Why? How could you confess your sin? Aren't you afraid they're gonna punish you? No, because the punishment was placed on Christ. That's the gospel. My identity is not my sin. My identity is who I, am, who I am in Christ. Every time I confess my sin, every time I reconcile with somebody, I am counting on the gospel being true. That grows you. Humility and reconciliation, they go hand to hand. And humility is the prerequisite for growth. All the quiet times and scripture memories and discipleship groups I do is not going to transform me and break me free from the sin of my life without fellowship, reconciliation, humility. That's what's crucial. And that's what God is showing us here. We can often think that it's me and Jesus or me and this group. But actually what the Lord is saying is I will cleanse you as you maintain your fellowship. And when you break fellowship, the sanctification stops. When I was in kindergarten in Mrs. Colarusso's class, we had two plants, plant A, plant B. Plant A in the sun, plant B in the closet, okay? In California nowadays, that's probably a crime, okay? But back in the 80s, it was okay. So plant B is in the closet, no light. Plant A is in the sun, plenty of light. Plant A is growing, 
identical plants. Plant A is growing, and over the weeks, open up the closet, pull the plant out, and everybody's like, oh, and it's dying. Now, day one, take plant B, put it in the closet, right? 15 minutes later, take it out of the closet, set it next to plant A. Is there any difference visibly? No. But don't for a second fool yourself. All the life, nourishment, vitality the sun gives is no longer being given. And it is slowly starting to entropy, die, slow down. That's what happens to us when we quench the spirit of God. We think we're growing, we think we're doing well, we think everything's going great, but when we break fellowship, we go from light to darkness. When we break fellowship, we go into the closet. So what we have to do is we have to come back out into the light. We do that by restoring fellowship. And as we do that, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins. Last week I said, what sin do you need salvation from? What's that thing in your life that nobody knows? What's that reoccurring problem that keeps stumbling you and tripping you up? Where's the conflict in your marriage with your kids and it's really starting to pay a price, right? And you want to change and you try to change and you can't change. You want all that? You want God to set you free? Fellowship. God is raising the value of that word. He says, when you're in my family and you're relating rightly with your brothers and sisters in Christ as you're participating in the fellowship that I have with the Father and the Son, I will cleanse you. I will cleanse you. So, what is light? What is darkness? 1 John 2, 9 through 10 says, Whoever says he, ha- he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Stumbling is a word. It's a constellation word. When you hear the word stumbling in the New Testament, it's talking about how easy it is to sin, how to get ensnared, how to get stumbled. You find it in Hebrews. You find a warning from Jesus Warning those who stumble children. That's a huge thing to the Lord Jesus. You don't stumble kids. You don't stumble kids. Stumbling is a big word. Stumbling is a word connected to the concept of sin in our lives. We don't want to stumble. We don't want to sin. And here it is. Whoever lives in the light loves his brother and abides. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to kind of take a moment just to talk more about the relationship between change and fellowship. Change and fellowship. I want to look at a couple passages so that you can see that this truly is the way this works. Fellowship is greater than, fellowship is more important than my worship on Sunday. Fellowship is more important than my quiet time. Fellowship is more important than my, my tithe. Matthew 5, 23 through 24. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, that's worship. In the Old Testament and in the time of Jesus, the Jews would participate in what God had ordained, the means by which men might have fellowship with him is the temple in Jerusalem. And God had prescribed the way in which they came into fellowship with him, and it was great and glorious, and the Jews knew it, and they would get in line to bring their offerings to God. Full of faith is a wonderful thing, and it was a big deal. It took a long time, right? And he says, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, there is broken fellowship between you and your brother. Leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Stop the fellowship with me. Go be reconciled to your brother and sister. It's very important to God. This is the gospel. The gospel is a gospel of reconciliation. Right? How do you share the gospel? If you're, if you're a Christian, I became a Christian in 2001. Like I talked about, I got kicked out of college. I went back home. God's spirit filled me. I got connected to a local church. This guy was a street evangelist. He was a worship leader at a church. He went to the prisons and worked with uh, kids in juvie. And uh, I got plugged into this church, Calvary Chapel Cathedral City, and I really wanted my friends to know Christ. And I said, you know, how do I, how do, I do that? And you know what was interesting was that I had to go confess to lots of people. There was a girl that I had just slashed apart with my, with my tongue. She was a part of our friendship circle. Um, 
and I had just said horrible things, and God convicted me, and I had to ask for forgiveness. I had friends that, um, that I had burned, you know, and I went back home, and I told them that God had worked in my life, and I asked them to forgive me, and, and actually God, he, he saved a couple of them, my friend Eric, my friend Justin, my friend Aaron, and what it was was I didn't have this perfect presentation. What I had was a confession of sin. What I did was wrong. I see it. Forgive me. What is going on with you, Matt? You're the justifier. You're the arrogant guy who just always, it's everybody else's problem. No, because Christ has forgiven me. So I just, I want to, I just, I'm sorry. I want to be reconciled. God had put that in me, a desire in me. That was the gospel to them. God, they had seen a change. There was no more justification. They were justifying. They were men. They were justifying themselves, trying to be good enough. And somehow God used that to save them. The gospel is a gospel of forgiveness of sin and reconciliation between us and God. And the way we show that is by our reconciliation with one another. All the gospel presentations in the world, but no fellowship. They're hollow. Another verse is Galatians 5, 25 through 26. Listen to this. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Have you ever heard about keeping in step with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit? How many have heard that phrase, walking in the Spirit? Now, if you haven't heard that phrase, that's okay. All it means is, is that God is a spirit, God is spirit, and he is constantly speaking. He's giving you desires and ideas, and he's giving you emotions, and he's, he's, giving, you, he, he's giving you himself. And what you do is you walk with God as you walk o- according to what God wants, just like as you walk according to your Father's will. That's walking in the spirit. Now, we know that's important. We all know that's important, okay? If we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Notice the interesting juxtaposition. Notice the opposite of keeping in step with the Spirit. The opposite of keeping in step with God's Spirit is, in this case, relational conflict. Sin between brothers and sisters. Why do we do our quiet time? Why do we read the Bible in the morning? Why do we devote ourselves to the Scriptures? So that we can have the power of the Holy Spirit. So we can walk in victory. But here the Scripture is saying, if you want to keep in step with the Spirit, you have to be in fellowship with your brothers and sisters. It does not say that. This is not elevating fellowship as a crucial component for change. Again, Ephesians 4, 29 through 30, it says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, this is some bad news. You don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Think about this. This is a cable. Imagine it was a hose, and I just kinked it, and I choked it, and the water wasn't flowing. That's a rough idea. I'm not saying that's everything that it means to grieve the Holy Spirit. It at least means that, okay? It at least means that. You do this to the power of God flowing in you to change you. When, what? And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. How, do I, how am I doing that, Paul? And he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Those are all relational sins in the context of the church. But be kind to one another. You want to learn? You want to grow? You want God to transform you? You want to become more mature and a godly man? Be kind, useful, sacrificial to those around you. Kindness to one another. Tender-hearted. That's a hard one for me. I can be hard-hearted. I can be harsh. My family can testify to it. But tender-hearted, like the Lord is tender-hearted to me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He's a tender-hearted shepherd. And as I practice tender-heartedness with you, people who are not my blood, but are united by the blood of Christ, God is transforming me from the inside out. He's freeing me from all sorts of things I don't even know. There are deep root systems of sin that he's cutting this way. I don't grab the Bible like a scalpel and start using it to free myself from sin. I submit myself to God by obeying his word and he does the work. That's walking in the spirit. That doesn't mean there's no effort. That doesn't mean I don't try. But if I start to think that it's by my effort, by me grabbing the Bible and doing my disciplines, that is, that's a mess. One another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. 
How do you demonstrate the gospel, the good news that God has reconciled me to him? I do it by the way that I'm reconciled to you. So you see in scripture, this is clear. If you want to grow in godliness, wisdom, maturity, power, you have to walk in the light. Walking in the light is maintaining fellowship with your brothers and sisters here at Church in the Valley of Alhambra. Not only that, but also fellowship in your homes. So, where are the places that you need to restore fellowship? It's a good thing we haven't had two years of crisis in this planet, right? Because if we had two years of crazy crisis over the last two years, we would have stuff to reconcile. But fortunately for us, life has just been so calm and normal for like the last 10 years, right? Now I'm saying like, if there was, for example, like a global pandemic, which just suddenly hit us and just turned the world upside down, then maybe there'd be some places for us to say, hey, remember what I said, what I did, what I didn't do? That was wrong. Would you forgive me? See, we, we have a two-year training course where there's all sorts of ways in which COVID has divided and subdivided and broken fellowship. I don't like what you said. I don't like what you did. I don't like the position you're taking, right? I, I, I'm judging, grumbling, complaining, afraid. Now, if that has happened here, and it has happened here because it's happened everywhere, this is an opportunity for us to restore fellowship. Also, political conflict. Good thing it hasn't been a tumultuous couple of years politically, it's just been all calm, like the Eisenhower years. Everybody's happy, right? No. It's been crazy chaos. <clears throat> and there's been all sorts of things that have divided us politically. In your church, I'm sure there's not been any problems. I'm sure there's never been a point at which you've been offended by someone who's sitting right next to you, your roommate, somebody on your team, your group leader, your elders here at the church don't like the direction, start to grumble, start to complain. That is pulling back. That's disfellowshipping a person. That's, that's a sin. And you say it to the Lord, you confess it to the Lord, and you confess it to those who heard it. If it's your wife, you tell it to your wife. If it's your kids, you tell it to the kids. If it's someone who you're in group with or your roommates, whatever, you just say, hey, that was wrong. That was grumbling. It was wrong. Would you forgive me? And you let the blood of Christ wash it away. And what you do is you restore fellowship. You restore the unity of the body of Christ. Because, you know, 1 Corinthians, Corinthians, Corinth, that's a church. Long time ago, galaxy far, far away, there's a church named Corinth. And they had all the gifts, all the money. I mean, they were doing miraculous healings and they had great speakers. I mean, they had all sorts of things going for them. They checked all the awesome church boxes. And Paul said, I have to speak to you as carnal. I have to speak to you as people who are walking in the flesh. I have to speak to you as people who are almost not like Christians because you're divided. I follow Paulos. I follow Paul. I follow Cephas. I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? You think that you're strong and mature when your church fellowship is divided? You see, it's all through the New Testament. We have to maintain unity and fellowship and restore it where it's broken. So then how do I restore fellowship? The next verse in our passage, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When I sin against God or I sin against my brothers, I know what to do with that sin. Our world does not know what to do with sin. Our world is constantly guilting and shaming people, putting them in Twitter jail and Facebook jail and HR departments firing people and everybody's afraid to say what they think and they're just all learning how to clap at the North Korean missile parade at the right time. It's just this, this fearful honor, shame culture we got going on here. And the reason why is they have no Christ. They have no Christ. They have no blood sacrifice. They have no atonement. They have no once and for all death for all the wrong and all the sin and all the racism and all the injustice and all the corruption and all the bad things you could list up. All those things have been washed away in Christ. We're free from the guilt of those things, the shame of those things. We can repent and turn and be in unity with one another. 
we can actually have fellowship with one another in Christ. Because when I look at you, my dad is a big old tall white guy. My mom was a short little Filipino lady. Okay, I was adopted when I was two, I think I said this, and she's a little Filipino lady. <clears throat> and I got all sorts of racial comments from people when I was a kid. Because I was blonde hair, you know, and student of the month assembly, you know, and she'd come out from behind the curtain and she's this four foot, you know, brown lady. And they look at me with the white kid and they look at the brown lady and they'd be like, what's going on? And afterwards they'd make fun of me and they'd say things. Yes, racism. I mean, I'm, that's what it is. How do I reconcile with a person like that? That sin they committed against me, Christ died for it. If they come to me and say, please forgive me for that. Absolutely. Because Christ, you deserve some sort of punishment for that racism. You do. But Christ took that punishment for you. What do I deserve? Christ took that punishment for me. The blood of Christ washes away the guilt and the shame that we use to control each other in our world. Our world needs the gospel. They need the blood of Christ. They need true forgiveness and reconciliation. They need true washing and cleansing. And you come here to this church or other churches all around, and there's this integrated fellowship of all sorts of people. Like, how are you guys friends? How are you together? Because all of us have fellowship with the Father and the Son and with one another by the Spirit, and our joy is full. And people, they see it, and they're like, I, I, I want that, I want that. It's a powerful gospel, gospel testimony. So 1 John 1, 7 through 9 says that as we are in fellowship, God cleanses us from unrighteousness, and he cleanses us from all sin. It's a bank shot. It's a bank shot. Dallas Willard is a professor at USC for years and years, and he used to talk about sanctification, changing, growing, becoming a better person, et cetera, et cetera. He often talked about it being a bank shot. That is, you bounce it off. It's indirection. You aim at this to get there. So I want to be good at guitar. I want to play Slow Dancing in a Burning Room by John Mayer because I think it's so awesome. And I'm like, I'm going to play that. And I get the chords, you know, and I pull up the guitar and I just try to play. It's a mess. Is that how you do it? You just really want to? No. It's indirection. You practice, you practice, you practice. You discipline, you discipline, you discipline. And pretty soon, or maybe a long time in my case, you pick up the guitar and you can do things that you could not do otherwise. It's indirection. And what God is saying is, you want to grow spiritually, you want to be purified, you want to be sanctified, you want to be free from these sins in your marriage, with your family, with your brothers and sisters. You want that? Fellowship. It's not only fellowship. But without fellowship, you're in the darkness. There's no power. So how do I restore fellowship? Well, the verse tells us, so number one, keep short accounts. Keep short accounts with God. When you sin, confess it. Lord, that was wrong. That was lust. That was pride. That was anger. That was laziness. That was lying. Lord, that was wrong. Would you forgive me? If it's in your mind, if it's in your heart, you confess it to the Lord. If it comes out in your actions, but it's not affecting somebody else, you're in your car screaming at somebody to cut you off. God, forgive me. That's just rage. I don't want to be that guy. I used to drive to work, Cold Stone Creamery, 2001. I used to sing tip songs. What a nightmare that was. <laughs> driving to work to Cold Stone Creamery 2001, just screaming in my car at people I was mad at because my entire life, I was basically shut down when injustice was done to me. I couldn't speak back. I couldn't talk back. I couldn't get a case or a hearing. And so I just learned to just argue with people in the car. And I would just run scenarios and just build up this anger. And I remember driving as a Christian. I'm like, why am I doing this? And God, God convicted me. He said, this is, this is just a mess. You need to stop this. So I began to confess it. Whenever I'd start to find myself doing it, I'd just say, Lord, that's wrong. Please forgive me. I don't want to do that. I forgive these people. And over time, over a couple years, it just evaporated. It evaporated. So you keep short accounts. You don't get comfortable with sin. You don't call it something it's not. And this is, again, why we read our Bibles. This is why we're in fellowship with one another. Because when you're in fellowship with your brothers and sisters, they're like, you know, 
would you pray for me? Because I just really disrespected my husband. Really, what'd you say? Well, and then they tell you, you're like, that's not disrespect. I say that stuff all the time. And what's happening is their sensitivity to God's word is higher than yours. And together we are picking up from one another. It is a shared life. So you keep short accounts. You confess it to God. You don't wait. You don't wallow in your guilt. Oh, I did it again. I, did, I just do it all the time. No, no, no. Confess it. Get back in the light. All it takes is confession. And the blood of Christ washes you of that sin. That's it. That's all it takes. Isn't that an amazing message? All your sin washed away by the blood of Christ. Christians are not people without sin. Christians are people who know how to do, know what to do with their sin. They put it upon the cross of Christ. You also keep short accounts with people. Are you keeping a record of all the wrongs that people have done? And here's how you know. You're slowly disfellowshipping them. You're withdrawing. You're pulling back. You, you just, you're starting to build this kind of bitterness towards a person. You can just tell when you get close. You can just feel it. You get it in your family. You knew it with your brothers and sisters when you're growing up. You know it with your parents. When your parents are upset with you, you can feel it, right? Are you building a record? There are two ways to deal with sin. One, you overlook it. You cover it in love, right? Love covers a multitude of sins. A wise man overlooks an offense. You can, like, you know, you got a little kid, right? They're three. They knock over a bowl. They break it. Are you holding on to that five years later? No. Why? You understand, right? And as you grow in maturity and your brother sins against you, there's a greater amount of things that you can overlook. Why? Because you know who you are. You know what you're like. You know who you are. Which, well, you know what we are. If God was to judge us strictly, who could stand? If God was to hold up his standard and judge us according to it, who could stand? Yeah, look at how God tenderly deals with us. He knows our frame. He knows we are but dust. Our father gets down on his knees and he's gentle with these rebellious kids. And as you grow in maturity... And in fellowship, you learn to keep short accounts. Now, if you can't let it go because it's truly an offense or it's a, a blind spot in their life, then you go to them. After prayer, you take just time to say, God, I want to speak to them about this. And I pray for an opportunity to talk about it. Give God time. Give God three days. Why three days? I don't know. Why not? Three days. Pray about it every day. And ask God to open an opportunity. It's amazing because sometimes a person will actually bring it up. And then you go to that person in humility and you say, I want to talk to you. I want to clear something up with you. You said this, you did this. You didn't do this. You didn't say this. Th this thing happened and it just, it really has bothered me. It's, it, it, I feel like you've sinned against me. And could I just share it with you? <clears throat> and then they say, please forgive me. And you say, I forgive you. And you embrace it and it's over. Fellowship is restored. Short accounts. Don't keep a record. Okay? Number two, in your household, how do you restore fellowship? This is a very important thing. With your spouse... You need to be clearing it up. I mean, I sin against my wife and my kids all the time. I sinned against my oldest son just a couple days ago. I had to clear it up. And I said afterwards, are we, you know, I, I was doing this like weird wallow thing. And he's like, yeah, I forgive you. It's, it's done. I forgive you. Now, what happens in families is mom and dad don't clear it up with kids. And what that teaches kids is Jesus isn't Lord. Mom and dad are Lord. But if you confess sins to your children, you're teaching your children that everybody is under the lordship of Christ. When you confess sin to your kids, you are teaching your kids that you have integrity. Because the sin has been washed away. The punishment has been taken by Christ. It's not, you're not perfect as a parent, but you are willing to confess your sins to your children because you're under the lordship of Christ as well. But when dad and mom don't confess sin to one another, when they excuse it, or when they, they hammer kids, uh, they, they guilt their kids, they, they withdraw, they break fellowship from their kids emotionally instead of just giving their kids a chance to confess it and move on, what that does is that's, that's hypocrisy. 
And there are many Christian homes that do all sorts of quiet times, devotionals, catechisms. They read their Bible. They go to church. They tithe. They memorize scripture. But there is no reconciliation. There is no confession of sin. And those kids, they learn that it's not really true. Because at the core of the gospel is that we can be reconciled and restored in fellowship by the blood of Christ. This is crucial in your home. For those of you who are going to have a home one day, those who are our parents. And therefore, it is also true in the household of God, that is the church. In your church, this church, it's the household of God. And God wants us to be in reconciled relationships as a, as, a, as a family, just like in our actual households. In your church, a major issue is grumbling and complaining. That's true for every church. That's true for every group of people. That's always been God's people's problem. Because <laughs> I don't like what's going on. But rather than going to that person, I say, man, did you hear what happened? Yeah, that's horrible. You know, let's go talk to her right now. Let's go talk to him right now. Whoa, I don't want to do that. That's, that's gossip. Right? I just, I'm just concerned. Really? With what? With who? Well, I'm concerned with the way that it's going. Okay, let's go talk to the leader. Because that's what we do. Because what we want is the truth. What we want is what's right. What we want is best. And perhaps this is best. And perhaps that's best. But we go in humility. There can be clarity, unity, reconciliation, no problems. And the body is strong. That's how it works. The opposite is true as well. My in-laws are missionaries. They were for years. They started a church in Japan. And it's still going. It's a hard thing to do. Very godly people. Very grateful for my in-laws. But in a conversation with my uh, mother-in-law, we, we have a weekly Sabbath meal. My day off is Friday now, which is awesome. And Thursday nights, we have a little meal with the family. And we, uh, we, we start the meal off where we go in the living room, and we, we, I tell the kids, and we're all, during the day, clearing up relationships. So during the day, we got to clear it up. So if there's any conflict between you and your brothers or your, your mom or dad, clear it up. And then we gather around the living room, and we, we, we pray, thank God for the food. We're all ready to go into fellowship. We sit down at the table. We sing, we toast, we sing the doxology, we do fun things, and then we end it with a little uh, smash tournament, Super Smash Bros, right, for this Baby Yoda Lego thing that we have, and whoever wins gets to have that trophy for the week, and that has become like the um, symbol of fellowship in our family, and one of the things we do is we confess our sin, we ask for forgiveness, and one of the things my mother-in-law said was, you know, we grew up in the church, grew up in the Baptist church, we went to church like every day, you know, and we, but we never asked for forgiveness, we never said, please forgive me. I said, I'm sorry. That was my bad. But forgive me is will you let go your right to my punishment or recompense for the sin I've done against you? Will you let it go? That's what forgiveness means. Forgiveness means you let it go. You let go of your right for any kind of payback. You let it go forever. And what would justify that? What justifies letting it go forever? Our Lord Jesus. It's the gospel. So in our church, in our families, this has to be taught, practiced, loved, Churches have conflict, they have offenses, they have misunderstandings, and that's why we have hard attitude number two, three, and four. Be open and honest about what you're feeling. Don't hide it, don't pretend, don't disfellowship people. Number three, give and receive scriptural correction. Brother, I want to talk to you about something. I don't think you see it, and I love you. Here's all these great things that I love about you, but this is something that I think you need to pay attention to. That's number three. Number four, would you forgive me? I feel like there's something between us. I feel like ever since that happened that one time online, or I feel like when that, remember that party we went to, I just feel like there's tension. I just, I want to make sure we're clear. Are we clear? Oh, we're clear. Great. Or actually, and then you work it out. If your brother is not reconcilable, if you go to them and you bring them to their sin, as I did uh, just a couple weeks ago with a brother in my fellowship, and he just blew me off. He was really angry, and he was not going to hear it. Well, the scripture tells us what to do. Then you go with another brother or two. Because reconciliation is crucial. That's Matthew 18. If you want to know what to do, Matthew 18. Finally, in the world, 
uh, how do you be reconciled in your relationships? How do you restore fellowship in your relationships? With the world, you have to be careful. Because being saved by Christ means that you're brought into fellowship with God, but you're also disfellowshipping the world. This is important. 2 Corinthians 7, 14, here's what it says. It says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness. You are not to be in fellowship. And that means soul ties, heart ties. They, they're, they're yoked to you. Where they go, you go. You share the rhythms of life with people who are not worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, we have a God. We do. We worship a God, Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody has a God. Everybody worships something, someone, everyone. We love people. We accept people, we barbecue with people, but we do not tie our lives and our souls to people who are not tied to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the explicit teaching in scripture. So we are entering into fellowship with one another and we are also disfellowshipping with other people. So when I became a Christian that year that I got kicked out of school, the night I got kicked out of school, um, <clears throat> I, went, I took all my friends, uh, it was maybe the next couple days, I took my friends that I was partying with and doing all sorts of stupid things with and I said to them, I love you guys, I really do, you're like my brothers but I can't continue to hang out with you guys because you know if I do, I'm going to fall back in the same lifestyle. And they totally understood it. Eventually, they let me back into Cal Baptist. That's an interesting story. They let me back. It was an amazing story. Got my scholarship back. It was, it was really wonderful. But when I got back there, I still love these guys. Josh, George, Chris. I love these guys. But we were not in fellowship with one another. And they understood because I wanted to follow the Lord Jesus Christ with my whole heart. They got that. I said it to it. I want to do this. And they're like, we don't. I'm like, that makes sense, right? They're like, yeah. So there was, no, there was no bad blood. So I have fellowship with my, my people, with God's people. But I don't have fellowship with those who are worshiping another God. Now, that's an important thing to keep, to keep in mind. At the same time, our churches have to be a place of reconciliation, as I've said. When they come to this church, they should be like, wow, all shapes and sizes knit together into one body. <laughs> they, they clean up when they mess up. God is transforming them. And we should be able to testify it's how you have been made right with God and how you've been made right with your brothers and sisters. All these testimonies. Oh yeah, that guy, we had this big conflict, but you know what? We cleared it up. What's that mean, cleared up? Well, I just told him, you know, this was wrong what I did and he forgave me. They're like, really? Really? Yeah. How can you do that? And that's the blood of Christ. That's the reconciliation we can have. That is a powerful gospel. That gospel is why Paul says, like last week we saw, I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed of this gospel. Who has this? Who has this fellowship? Who has this power? Who has this forgiveness for sin once and for all? Who can transform us as we love each other? What a wonderful thing. You mean as I'm loving and enjoying fellowship with my brothers and sisters, the blood of Jesus Christ is purifying me from all unrighteousness? He's actually working in me? It's not my effort? Yes. Wow. What a wonderful God we have. So as a, main, a means of next step, number one, if you're here and you're not yet a Christian, for the first time in your life, decide to follow Christ. Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He died for your sins so that you could be reconciled to God so that you could be adopted into God's family. He wants to give you his Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you with power. He wants to give you his family forever and ever and ever. And you can have that by simply saying to the Lord, I agree with you. I am a sinner. I have no righteousness before you. And I want a fellowship with you. Would you forgive me in Jesus' name? You can do that. Number two, if you are a Christian, confess your sins to one another and reconcile strained, broken, and bent relationships. Strained, broken, and bent relationships. Don't downplay it. Take it very seriously. It's the forgotten spoke on the navigator wheel. Number three, take initiative to practice hospitality. What's the symbol of our fellowship? Hospitality, the Lord's Supper, the bread and the cup, and then coming over to my home and having a meal and face-to-face -face fellowship and hospitality go hand in hand. It's expensive. It takes time. People are weird. <laughs> That's all right. So am I. 
but God, he is knitting us together. And then finally, number four, identify and clear up offenses that were ignored or excused in the past. You do not start now and forget the past. You go back and say, hey, right, 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 and you clear it up. You go back and clear it up. And if you're not sure, ask your leaders, ask your elders, ask your group leader, ask your team leader, what do you think about this situation? They can give you wisdom. As you do this and you're knitted together, the Spirit of God is working in this congregation, sanctifying, transforming you, blessing you, your families, and over time, over the generations, this is how the kingdom of God expands. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for your word and the fellowship we have in Jesus' name, and we ask that you would apply this to our hearts wherever we need it. We pray, God, for courage to clear things up, and God, that you would restore any broken fellowship here. We pray that the joy that you have in yourself, that we could have that joy, and that that joy would be extended and completed as more people come to know you through Jesus Christ. We pray for those who have decided to follow Christ, that, God, you would establish them in the faith. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.